0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team. On WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the Internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recaps with your host, Sean
2: Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue. Today, joined in the studio by Adam Sell. Uh, the Revolution last night coming away with a two to one victory over Toronto FC. Uh, a, a very good performance from the Revs. They did give up uh, an own goal in the 78th minute. Uh, set piece defending is something that hasn't been going so well for the Revs in the past couple games. With two own goals in as as many weeks, I don't think you can necessarily blame Shari Joseph on that one. No, and it's interesting because
0: it, when I was watching the game, I was surprised to see that they had awarded the goal initially to the Toronto. Uh, offensive player that it looked like the ball had glanced off of, even though in the replays it was clear that Joseph was the last person to touch the ball before it went in.
2: Yeah, you never can tell what they're going to do with the uh, awarding there. Like why why Matt Reese did not end up with an assist on uh, Adam Chrisman's goal the week before. But uh, again, the Revolution coming off with a with the two two to one victory, two goals by Steve Rawson first in the 12th minute, uh, so key for the Revs to get off to a fast start at home. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, they've really started off slow and then had to fight back from behind. So that, that was a great thing to see from this team.
0: Absolutely. Put Toronto on the back foot right from the start, and it, was, it forced Toronto to stretch their game out front to back. And it really exposed the holes in the midfield that Toronto had that the Revs were able to exploit, especially up the left-hand side.
2: And the Revs overall, uh, with the exception of a couple chances at the end there, Parker is making a great uh, save on the line there after uh, Reese had made a save, I believe it was uh, Jim Brennan got free on the left side of the box, took a shot. Reese managed to deflect it with his left arm, uh, fell right to another Toronto player there, got the shot off but of Parkers, was there to, to save it in the 87th minute and really save the win for the Rebs. Uh But really, I thought it was the best 90 minutes the Revs had played in a, in a while.
0: And certainly for a few weeks, it's been the best game that I've seen this team play. And uh, especially on the left-hand side. I mean, I can't say enough about the way that Mauricio Castro played last night. Brad Feldman was right when he said that this was the best game that Castro has played in a Revolution uniform. I couldn't agree more with him. And if it weren't for the brilliant goal that Ralston scored, the second goal that he put in the net, I would have had to have given Castro the player of the match honors.
2: Yeah, and Castro, of course, sat out last weekend's match with a uh, right oblique strain. Um, I saw him on Thursday's practice, he looked back to full speed, and sure enough, he certainly looked uh, 100% in this match, and uh, as you mentioned, probably his best match of the season so far. Uh, we do have actually Steve Nichols' comments on that match, I believe he commented on Castro's and the Wings' play, and uh, how dangerous the combination of Niasse with his great speed on the right, and Castro and you know, with his great soccer mind, and we actually play uh, Nichols' post-game comments now. They had some chess at the end there, where it seemed like overall the best 90-minute
3: performance in a while the team, yeah, I think I think I think Houston and tonight was a was a more complete performance, uh, the two of the most complete we've had. You know, in between those two, we've had a lot of changes and a lot of things disrupting us, but we've managed to get it done. But I think tonight we passed the ball as well as we've done all season. Um, but we did make it hard at the end. You know, it's it's a rotten goal to lose. You know, they never looked like scoring before that. But obviously, with ten minutes to go, when when a team gets a goal, it's a, you're always going to it's always going to be backs to the wall. So we'd, we'd rather have uh, kept a clean sheet and made it easier at the end. But we got the three points.
1: What can you say about uh, Steve Ralston's performance not just the goals but he seemed to keep the offense going and really
3: possess the ball He just shows all the experience that he has you know I mean the the two goals in particular you know he follows up you know you talk to his strikers about following up and they don't all do it he's not even a striker but you know he he reads it well he he doesn't just take for granted it's going to go in the net or go wide and he follows up and that's just experience and the second one is just again experience cool head people diving in he stays calm and and puts it it
4: seems like Toronto did come out to try and congestion the midfield, but you get that ball wide, like you've been saying week yeah. after week, and really kind of spread things out for you.
3: Yeah, I mean, Shawrie and Jeff did a great job for the majority of the evening. You know, either winning the challenge or getting the second ball and getting the ball wide early. You know, we we got some. You know, we got real pace wide on the right, and obviously, you know, Castro's got a great brain on the left. So you know, you you don't want to play against that. So getting it out wide early is, is is always good.
1: What's the plan for the week ahead with a cup game?
3: Tuesday and a flight to the West Coast on a July 4th game we just dust ourselves down again and uh, start again tomorrow we've got a reserve game tomorrow we'll see what happens there just try and carry on as normal it's another game we got we got to get going again we've got three points nothing more albeit a good performance and we'll move on
4: How much are you looking to get Twelman over the next couple of days? I know you had him in tonight for a little bit. Well,
3: he'll certainly go Tuesday, uh, that's for sure. But him and I will have a conversation once I leave here and uh, see what we do tomorrow.
2: Again, that was uh, Revolution head coach Steve Nichol on last night's performance. Uh, as you mentioned, Steve Ralston with the two goals. Ralston now at six goals in the year, uh, fifth overall in MLS in scoring. Uh, who would have expected that from him coming into the season?
0: Certainly didn't expect to see Steve Ralston's name atop the score sheets for even when you add his assists in there, because there's always a few of those.
2: And he has a couple of great, great goals last night, as you mentioned, uh, off... Two two shots that hit off the crossbar and off the post that ended up right to him and you know put him away. He's been such a great presence for the revs this year and certainly made a big difference when he's been in the lineup. You know I uh, was out injured for a time and uh, certainly saw the impact that he had on the revs lineup um, these past couple games.
0: Absolutely, his veteran presence, as uh, Coach Nichols said, there. It's just it seems like it's a very calming influence on the team, especially in the middle of the field. Even when he's playing out of position, playing as a striker as he did last week, or playing playing to clean up the garbage shots that don't go in in the first place, like the shot off the bar yesterday, I believe it was Dubé who shot it from the corner of the box, comes off the bar, and Ralston just plays it around the defender and whips it in with the left.
2: And we actually have comments from Ralston as well on uh, what he saw on those two goals there, uh, as, as well as the, the rest performance last night and getting off to a, finally a fast start at home.
5: I thought tonight we played well, I mean, I thought as a team, it was the first time in a long time where we really passed the ball well and created chances and came out, you know, ready right from the opening whistle and something we, you know, I've been talking about for a long time about how we've been sluggish out of the gates and I thought tonight we, uh, we really played well in the last 20 minutes. You know, unfortunately on goal, something you know, we worked on this week in, in training on, on defensive free kicks from the same place pretty much, yeah, yeah. it was unfortunate, oh, yeah. I thought we did a good job, we had numbers there, and you know, oh, you know, Parking made a great uh, save on uh, the line, uh, and Reese uh, came uh, flying across to save us, and just kept us well, a couple of points, and we, I think we kind of fell asleep for a moment and almost got punished. It seems like every game this year, Reese has got to come up with something at some point, you know? Yeah, you know, we want him to be the league MVP, right? Yeah. We get to give, up, give those opportunities for him to, to make those saves. <laughs> I Michelle mean, highlights. He's going to be making saves, right? <laughs> How important was it for you guys to bounce back like that, going into the stress coming forward? Yeah, it was good. I we have a we have a crazy schedule coming up this month, so obviously, you know, getting three points is, is important, especially playing against a you know conference rival. You know, playing at home, we haven't played our best this year, so it's nice to, to play well for the fans as well. Um, obviously, Tom only played the last 10 minutes, but how did, did his presence affect the offense? Uh, I know their defenders noticed him when he came on the yeah. field. I mean, it was great to see him back out there. He's worked worked really hard to get back. Um, you know, fighting through the injuries and tune back, and I think mentally for him it was it was important. They got there and got kicked a couple times and knew his ankles okay. So hopefully he'll uh, go and be ready to go 90 the next week. So it's nice to have him back. it Seems like you scored a lot of goals in the past month. Is so that you've been concentrating you know, on getting forward more than that or no? It just kind of happened. You know, I just kind of uh, been in the right place, right time on a, on a bunch of occasions where you know getting getting rebounds, getting some tap-ins, ones I like. So you know, I think I think as a team we, we created a bunch of chances and I just happened to be be there to. Uh, to put him in. What did you
2: see on those two goals
5: tonight? First one, just kind yeah. of, you know, glancing header. I don't know if went off Adam or the defender, hit the post and came right back to me. So, just a tap in. Like I said, those have been coming quite frequently frequently lately. Um, the second one, similar thing. Hit the post and came back to me and was able to, uh, you know, cut it back and get a shot off and force it went in. Hoping for a hat trick on that last weekend I did, yeah. I mean, just want to put it on goal. I need to do better with it obviously you know so with him in mind yeah
2: again that was uh, Revolution Captain Steve Ralston who had the two goals last night uh, the Revolution uh, very very improved performance from what we saw last week and certainly some of that was due to the players who returned of course Shari Joseph back from international duty uh, Connell Smith still out injured actually so he wasn't available for this game uh, but uh, Mansali got back uh, on Friday night and then we saw him come in off the bench and get some time there uh, but possibly more importantly Twelman Finally back from injury, coming in late in the game. I, I don't think anyone would have predicted at this point of the season that the Rubs would be you know where they were after seeing who they lost in the off season and then seeing Twelman you know still not start a game all season.
0: And I sure wouldn't predict that uh, Captain Steve Ralston would have five more goals than Twelman on June 29th on Twelman's uh, season where he's still trying to find a taker abroad.
2: Yeah, it's certainly good to see him back, and uh, it was interesting also to hear Nichol say earlier that uh, he's going to be suiting up on Tuesday's match and. You know, maybe we'll see more of him in the Open Cup. and uh, Certainly, that's a game on so that might make it more appealing you know, for, for Nickel to play Twelman on that one. But at the same time, we've seen these Open Cup games get pretty physical. so sh- It should be interesting to see how much time, if any, he does end up playing on Tuesday.
0: Absolutely, and I can't help but wonder who Coach Nickel is going to bench in favor of Twelman at this point, because even though Christman started off with a uh, poor run of form and a couple of games in which the fans were more apt to see him send one into the stands and send one into the net he's really picked it up lately and kelly dubay has been just an absolute mainstay up there in twelman's absence so i can't help but wonder whom is going to take the bench in favor of twelman
2: and certainly mansali had been looking good too uh, before he left for national team duty uh, about a month ago and he, uh, he looked really well and played really well in the reserve game today too uh set up the the reserves only goal there and uh, with, with such a busy schedule coming up you almost wonder if you know nickel will kind of institute a rotation policy with the fours he certainly has the guys now with the experience to, to do that
0: he's got the guys to do it but you also worry a little bit about the consistency aspect i mean people like to play with the same people week in week out and you have to be a little bit concerned about whether or not the everybody's going to be on the same page when you've got 14 members starting lineup
2: yeah that's, that's certainly true as well uh but they are they are a you know, some great options for Nickel to have. Certainly, a good thing for him to have the, you know, the choice of, of who to put in and have to be questioning about. This is something that in past seasons maybe we haven't seen from this team, and you know, great to have guys fighting for spots.
0: Mm-hmm. And I I can't say enough about how much I love that Mauricio Castro is going to give Cono Smith a run for his money on that left
2: flank. Yeah, and it's great too when uh, Cono Smith is now away with Bermuda. The Revs have an option. Last year they didn't have many options on the left flank no. at all. Uh, Cono Smith's certainly going to have to up his game. Uh, to to beat out Castro the way Castro was playing,
0: he is, and you, I've seen Castro play in positions that weren't necessarily on the left flank. So you almost wonder if Smith has any chance at all to get back in, unless there's an injury that moves Castro somewhere else.
2: But at the same time, it's great to have you know the speed of Smith coming in late in the games. We've seen him do it in the past where he comes off the bench, you know, burns by his defenders. So you know, even a roll off the bench is something that he, he can be helpful in. Absolutely. And of course, uh, last night we mentioned earlier about Parkhurst's uh, game-saving uh, block. There, he's been he's been playing pretty well over the last few games. After you know, maybe not his most consistent season, but uh, overall, Parkhurst has put in a couple great recent performances. And we do have his comments from uh, last night and what he saw on that goal-mouth block there to save the game. They've had that great goal-line block there at the end to <laughs> save it. What did you see on that play? Um, I didn't see a whole lot. Um,
4: you know, the guy was wide open and. Tried to go back on the line to help Maddie with the initial shot, just to try and block the back post, and Maddie got a, a little bit on it. And, um, you know, went across the box, and I kind of just stood there. You know, there wasn't much I could do besides just stand there, and he happened to hit it right into me. So, had a little bit lucky there. It seemed like you guys played a, a full 90 minutes, at, you know, better than you had been in
2: the Um,
4: yeah, it was a better performance at home, definitely than you know the past couple. But still, at the end, we we let down a little bit. They kind of took it to us. You know, starting about the 70th, 75th minute. Um, you know, we would have liked to close it out a little bit. You know, had they tied that game, it would have been, you know, awful. Um, you know, so we still have to close it out better. But, uh, you know, overall, you know, it was a better home performance. You probably kind of got off to that fast start at home, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was great to get the goal early, um, get the crowd into it. Um, you know, play play in front, um, in front of goal instead of, you know, trying to come back or, or play even.
2: Again, that was uh, Parkhurst on last night's performance. I also had the chance to talk to Reese, uh, who we've heard from in the past couple of shows, uh, talking about how you know the million-dollar question is you know what's causing the Revs to get off to these slow starts. So uh, we caught up with him last night and you know asked him again you know what what was it that you know the Revs did differently to come up come away with such a fast start and get off on the right foot. So we have his comments too.
5: It like an home goal
2: before that. Yeah, Shari scored a goal. Um, you know, something that we need to work on, uh, on free
6: kicks that are, you know, flighted into the box. But, uh, um, you know, other than that, you know, we, we played a very good defensive game that we, uh, we limited their chances and, and, um, you know, we uh, we did what we needed to do, except for, you know, uh, the goal that they scored.
7: What do the Toronto players pose the biggest threat
6: tonight? Um, you know, none of them really were too threatening for the whole game. You know, at, at certain points, people were. Um, Dick Yo is definitely a, a challenging player with his eyes, but we, we limited his service and we limited the opportunities he had to hurt us. Guevara is a, a great player and he's very calm on the ball, but, you know, we limited his opportunities. So, you know, in the end, we scored on ourselves. So, uh, you know, if we eliminate that,
2: then we're in great shape. You, you've been talking about the team getting off the slow starts at home. What was the difference tonight?
6: I think we were very aware of that. We were very aware of, uh, of that we haven't been doing
2: that very well. And, um, you know, we talked about it and, and made sure that that didn't happen. And, again, that was a Revolution goalkeeper, Matt Reese. Uh, didn't get the shutout last night, but put in a solid performance. Certainly nothing you could do on that own goal there. Uh, really, I don't think he was expecting that, but you know, talked about how the Reds have been you know working on that. That happened last week, uh, so a little disappointing to see them you know kind of give up the same same kind of own goal two weeks in a row. It was
0: a little bit disappointing. I'm sure Matt Reese would have enjoyed getting what would have been, I believe, his sixth shutout of the year, which, if I'm not mistaken, also would have fled the league. But things happen. The game is 90 minutes. I can't remember exactly who said it. It was probably Seth Blatter. The ball is round. Things happen. Defensive lapses happen. As long as the three points are what comes out of the game, I'm sure he'll take that over the shutout every time.
2: And uh, another guy we had chance to talk to last night was Jeff Leronowitz. who's putting a, you know, done very well this season. I think, uh, especially when you know the few games Joseph is out, he's really stepped up his game and uh, made a great defensive pairing with with Charlie Joseph. We do have his comments from last night's game now too. Did you
1: want to move side to side or?
6: Uh, yeah, I mean that, that was our goal before the game. We we said that you know we were going to be more patient. We were going to make sure that as soon as we got it, we weren't going 100 miles an hour forward. And and uh, we knew this is this was a team that wanted to play, and, and it wasn't going to be you know a kick and run type game. And, and we knew that we could. We came out well in the first couple of minutes, and we could settle into our passing. Team overall
2: today it seemed like a you know, better, faster start. Finally at home, and you know, just a, overall ninety minutes better than.
6: Yeah, I think I think you said it. I mean, it was a team performance. Obviously, there were guys that you know stood out, scoring goals and, and stopping goals. But I think that everybody was on the same page tonight, and it was it was something that we've we've been looking for at, out of a home game for a while.
2: And that was uh, Jeff Lurano, was the Revolution defensive midfielder. There, uh, we did get one final. Comments from uh, Kenny Mansali, who uh, last night, as I mentioned, returned on Friday night from what playing with Gambia. He'd been away with Gambia for uh, a month there. Uh, Gambia, of course, got a good win uh, over Algeria, then actually a loss to Algeria, and got, I believe, two draws in his time there as well. So they're in a position where uh, s- still had a chance of moving on in World Cup qualifying from Africa so certainly he could miss some more games but we talked to him last night about his experiences there and you know about coming back and playing for the Revs. Way nearly a month it seemed like uh, with the national team maybe more. You know, how how's it feel to get back out there for the Revs?
8: Oh I feel good, you know, because since I left, you know, they're still winning, winning, you know, and, you know anytime I went to the night to check, you know, I see they are winning, you know, so I feel great, you know, I feel happy, you know, for that, you know, so uh, then I joined to Today, you know, because I just came yesterday, so I joined them today.
2: Yeah, you didn't get any training with the team.
8: <laughs> you got back early.
2: You know. Yeah. Do you think you're gonna get in today's game, or are you almost about to try that? Yeah, you um, end up getting never play.
8: Oh, I just, oh, just coming I, because I know that you know. I told it, told, told me that like, you should be here before 28. So after the, when the games are finished, there we keep training on the beach, you know, running, you know, because I know that get you know, game 28. So.
2: And how was your time downing with the Gambia national team? That obviously got a couple wins, but uh, you know maybe a disappointing loss to
8: Algeria. Yeah. yeah, you know we win one, you know tie two, you know lost last one last game against Algeria. But although it's good, you know because we get five points, Algeria six, so Senegal get eight, eight points, so still we get hope, you know, to qualify.
2: And as I mentioned, that was Kenny Mansali who's... Uh, we talked about earlier he's going to have a tough time breaking back into the starting lineup with the way uh, Crispin dubay has been playing and, of course, Twelman you know, coming back from his injury. So uh, that should be interesting. We are going to take a quick break here and then we'll be back with uh, Mark Connolly, uh, writer for Goal.com and ESPN.com. <laughs>
1: Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years.
0: National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups, and jerseys. Visit us
1: online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. And now, back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380.
2: Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, still joined by Adam Sell in studio. And now over the phone, we're joined by Mark Connelly, as I mentioned, writer for Goal.com and ESPN.com. Mark, uh, thank you for joining us today.
7: You're welcome. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I've I've been on an endless trip lately, so I'm, I'm here in D.C. after being at the... Uh, DC United-LA games today uh, before Euro, and uh, head out of here and back to Massachusetts tomorrow.
2: And uh, you've been to a lot of games over the uh, past couple months here. MLS season's been pretty crazy so far. Uh, a lot of teams stepping up that we haven't expected from. Teams like Toronto uh, doing a lot better. Columbus doing a lot better than maybe we expected. Uh, the Reds, of course, uh, on top of the league, uh, doing well again. But uh, even them, maybe a bit of a surprise with some of the guys that they've lost and that they've been out with injuries.
7: Yeah, it's already been a strange year because it seems like there's been a lot of waves where, you know, Chicago was a hot team for a little while in the talk, and then it was Columbus. Uh, Toronto's been that team at times. You know, and all of a sudden right now you have, you know, teams like D.C. United, uh, Real Salt Lake, uh, and then before today, L.A. was doing very well. Um, you know, and I'll even throw Houston in there too. I mean, I was at the Houston game on Thursday night uh, and the victory over FC Dallas. I mean, they're now... Back to their old selves. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they're in a collision course with the Revs. And, um, yeah, I think the most surprising thing about the season, if I did name one thing, would be the revolution. Uh, not as much seeing the revolution in first place, but seeing them in first place with the players that they had.
0: I'm going to ask Mark, do you think that today's scoreline, that 4 1 DC victory, is an accurate representation of those teams' relative abilities and their positions in the standings?
7: That's a very good question. Um, well, first of all, it might not even be an accurate score of the, of the match. Uh, Zach Wells um, and Steve Cronin had to make a lot of saves. I mean, it, it could have been a game where there was about ten goals. Um, you know, I thought at the end uh, Steve Cronin was standing on his head making saves, uh, save after save. I mean, this could have been a game that was embarrassing. It could have been 7-1. I mean, it, And that's without exaggeration. uh Cronin had to come up huge just to keep the school line res, you know, respectable. So um, I think overall, um, if I had to take one team from now to the end, I really would take T.C. because I think L.A. has a lot of holes. Um, outside their top players, you know, they're very weak in the center of the midfield and they're weak in the center of defense. And um, and not, uh, Steve Cronin is not one of the better goalkeepers in the league. I don't think that's uh, out of line saying that. So when you're weak up the middle – you just don't have a lot of chances to go far in this league, and uh, if the Revolution have proved anything through the years, and the same with Houston, it's, it's having that strong spine up the middle is really what keeps you uh, grounded. You got to have that, that presence. Uh, you got to have that holding midfielder. Many times, um, it's no secret why the Reds have done well with showery there. Houston with Ricardo Clark, you have that one guy that can kind of um,
2: set the tone, and, and and LA doesn't have that. And looking at LA's schedule over there. You know, the past couple of months, I believe they've only beaten one team you know, with with a winning record. Is, is this an LA team that you know kind of had this result coming you know, for a while now? Their defense has really been shaky, but their offense has carried them through some of these games. Uh, have they kind of is the record kind of better than this team has been?
7: I, I do think so. Um, I think when you really look at this team, you know they have a uh, a center back in Zavier who is at the end of his career, and he's he looks very flat footed at times today. Um, he's still very, very good in the air. you know. So if teams play direct against them, yeah, he, he's good with his body, and he's smart, and knows how to win a ball in the air. But if you're playing against a crafty team that's going to pass around you, then he's useless. You know, Sean Franklin has been very good, but he's a rookie, and there's only so much he can do. Um, and then when you're weak on the center part of your defense, you can't afford to have outside backs that are more attack-minded. Um, you know, Chris Klein on a good team would be excellent. Mike Randolph on a good team might be a good left back, um, or meaning a, a good defense. But when you're weak in the center backs, then you almost need stay-at-home backs. Um, they'd be better off to have a Brian Namoff um, or a guy like that, you know, even a you know a Jay Heat's type player that isn't really getting forward is just really a defender. Um, they need some help. I think that trading Chris Albright, you know, has turned out to be a major mistake.
2: Of course, they got the game coming up on July 4th against the, the Revolution. How do you see these two teams as matching up? Uh, obviously, L.A. has been a better team at home than on the road. Uh, the Revs, though, have also been a better team on the on the road that, than, at, than at home for much of the season.
7: Yeah, I, I think the Revs, you know, will, will enjoy some of this time off. Um, it helps Twarman, you know, just get that much more sharp. Um, I think that no matter who's out there for the Revolution... Um, I think they'll run up this back line. I think that they will, you know, try to mix up Cronin on free kicks and things like that. I think they will win the center of the park. Um, and like most games, if, if you can dominate the middle of the field, you're going to win most of the time. And I think the Reds um, will do that with with and and with are run with. So I I would be surprised with the way they've been playing and with the way Matt Reese has been. Um, I'm surprised to see them lose. I mean, who knows? Maybe. LA gets a draw at home, but I, I I think it could be a good night
2: for the Reds. At the same time, too, uh, Bottle and Landon Donovan, Edson Bottle, have been two uh, really on-form strikers throughout this season, particularly in uh, the past month for Bottle uh, and Donovan, really throughout. Uh, of course, with Beckham feeding them, you never never know what can happen. What do you think has been responsible though for Bottle in particular? His turnaround uh, this season after we've seen some you know, really poor performances from him over the past couple of years.
7: Well, just spending a little bit of time around Edson and around. Uh, Landon and and even Ruth Hullett this past uh, couple of days you know we've kind of gotten a little bit of insight in that and that it wasn't anything that Hullett has done or even Landon or any of the older guys it's just been uh, Edson kind of finally realizing it I mean Landon was talking to us yesterday saying that all of a sudden when he leaves Edson's still there and he's in the gym and he's working out um, and that when he gets there in the morning, Edson's there getting his treatment um, and that when he sees them at the team meals, he's, he's eating right and doing the right things and, and all of a sudden he's kind of just grown into himself a little bit and has become a man where I, I think that this was a guy that had some personal problems that have been documented um, and then maybe he wasn't in the right situation and now he's finally, uh, in a weird way, having a new coach come in who knew nothing about him or any of the players. I mean, Rude Hollett knew nothing about these guys, and I think that that gave Bottle a chance to start over at square one rather than have another MLS coach get him who's known all of his past problems. So I think that that change and having a full, clean slate, uh, and then a little bit of luck. Uh, you know, Carlos Ruiz, if he was back, if he would been fully healthy, um, if Alan Gordon had grasped that position early on, you know, Edson would have never got a chance. But, uh, you know, my hat's off to him. Um, and I think as quickly as far as Landon, I mean, he's been excellent all season. He's the MVP thus far. Uh, that being said, he didn't have a very good uh, afternoon today.
0: To a degree, you have to feel for Bottle You wonder if he's putting it together a little too little, too late. Because if he put this uh, this run together five years ago, he'd probably be a fixture on the U.S. national team at this point.
7: Yeah, you know what? He's still a rare, really young guy. I believe, off the top of my head, he's twenty six years old. Um, you know, and for a striker, that's uh, still fairly young. Um, You know, John Harkes got to know him a little bit when he was in Columbus, and, you know, I was standing with with Harkes seeing him yesterday, and, you know, John kind of is a little bit of an older mentor type to Edson, and, you know, he was kind of saying, you know, hey, I'm I'm proud of how you've done things, and, you know, you can keep going with this, and and Edson was really responding, and it was kind of nice to see, you know, somebody who knows a little bit about being a professional talk to another one like that, and you could see that Edson, uh, it meant a lot to him, like, talking to someone like that about it, and, You know, from everything I've heard and and watched in my eyes, um, yeah, there's no need to think that he can't get back to that level and be somebody that still could have, you know, close to a decade on this team, really. Um, So I I think that it's only, um, you know, it's it's now just up to Edson, you know, because he's already laid the groundwork. You know, he's already shown he can do it, and he's in a good spot having Beckham and Donovan, you know, feeding him the ball. And now, uh, you know, he's just going to keep putting it all together.
2: Kind of change the subject away from uh, L.A. a bit. Uh, Of course, their opponents, D.C. United, putting up the the big 4-1 win today. Uh, They really struggled to start the season. Uh, Seem to be turning things around with the uh, draw against the Revolution, actually, uh, at home a little while ago. Uh, But even since then, they've been kind of inconsistent. Uh, Still near the bottom of the uh, Eastern Conference. Uh, Do you think this team is ready to turn things around? Uh, Is the return of Ben Olsen, uh, even if he's not going to be starting all these games, even if he's not 100% fit, kind of going to help this team out?
7: I think so. I, I think D.C. Is, is fine at this point. I mean, we came here on April uh, when they were playing Columbus, and we were hearing a lot of undercurrents about that there were problems in the locker room with this team, and there was a big division between the players that are from South America and Central America uh, and the rest of the squad, uh, and that's not a good thing uh, to have in your locker room. Uh, we were hearing that a lot of them were very disconnected with Tommy Soane. Um, and then even speaking to Tommy Stone back then, Um, just not a very, you know, happy man at the time. seemed to be mad about everything. He started having them wear suits to home games because he felt like they needed to be serious. Um, Everybody you talked to back then were saying, well, guys aren't working hard. And it seemed like every one of them was talking about the next guy uh, because they all said it. And now all of a sudden, being here two months later, all of a sudden everybody's uh, very upbeat and everybody's talking about... The group and the unity and all that And, and you know, it, it just was a better Environment to be around the last two days So I think they have turned a corner And, and Benny Olsen being back is only going to help um, You know and, and not just Because he is an, a leader and an emotional guy But you know the way he plays on the field I mean people forget last year was his uh, Finest year in Major League Soccer You know despite you know being 30 years old last year um, You know he's someone That is smart He's been around this league You know he gets stuck in Um you know he's going to do the things that uh, need to be done and work hard and make that hard tackle when you need it to be done. And um, you know I think DC will be the one to challenge New England in the East. You know for the second half of the season.
2: And the other competition coming up, the Super League, it just kicks off in uh, two weeks now. Actually, two weeks from today uh, as the Revolution's first match. Uh, who do you see going into this tournament as you know ready to take on these Mexican opposition? Obviously, you got Houston in there, she was USA, and of course DC United going uh, up for the Superliga.
7: Yeah, it'll be fun. I remember last year, you know, uh, you know, I run Gold dot com with Greg Lawless, and you know, you guys know Greg from from his work with the Revs. And, and Greg and I were kind of joking before the tournament. We, we we did this thing on our site about Superliga fever, and it was all kind of tongue in cheek, kind of making fun of the tournament. And then after being glued to the TV for all those matches, you know, I got to give. CONCACAF credit and MLS credit it was a great tournament it was a lot of fun obviously you had David Beckham involved and you had some very good games but um, you know I'm, I think it's important and I, and I think that the teams in MLS take this serious uh, a lot of them still don't take US Open Cup serious but they take this serious I think because it involves competition with Mexico no one wants to lose to a Mexican team there's now some money on the line and um, you know it's got a little bit of a glamour thing behind it all these matches are on you know, national TV and um, you know, scouts are watching a whole bit. So I think it's going to be great. I think that to do well in this tournament, you need to have depth. Um, I don't think a team like Chivas USA can withstand that, uh, the play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. I think they're going to be in trouble because they've had injuries. Um, I think it's the teams that, that have some depth. Uh, you know, New England has shown that in the past. Um, you know, think about the players now that go to the bench. You know, now that they're getting everybody back and healthy and, and back from international duty. Um, and I think Houston uh, has some depth, so I would say the two finals from last year. I, I, if if an MLS team is going to win it, it would be at Houston or, or New England.
2: And uh, you mentioned the Open Cup uh, coming up. What, what are you looking forward to this tournament? Uh, the Revs obviously have very busy schedules. You mentioned with Superliga. Uh, how do you think the Open Cup fits in for you know, these MLS teams that you know already got all these competitions coming up? Uh, are they going to be able to take it seriously to say they did last year when they went on to win it?
7: It's hard. I, I'll be completely honest with you. I, I have a different view of it now than I used to. Um, about four years ago, I wrote an article uh, criticizing the revolution um, after they had lost to the Chicago Fire. It was a game out of Lusitano Stadium um, out in Ludlow, you know, and about how they don't take it as seriously, and it was a disgrace to the competition. And I remember it raised a lot of eyebrows. I remember having some, bad, some uh, heated conversations with some of the people over there. At the time, I was fine. I stood by it. Um, I've always been a coach, but for the last three years, I've been at UMass Lowell as a coach. Being at a little bit of a higher level and start <laughs> and really understanding how you have to do what's best for your team, no matter what anybody thinks, um, I think I'm a little more sold on that. and So I now understand it a little bit better. Uh, if Some teams, if it's not best for them to turn out their best lineup, because of their own internal issues about trying to get guys rest, things like that. Um, and that's the thing. we never truly know what's going on with these teams unless you're right there because you don't know who's really hurt and carrying something or who really you know it comes to with the revolution, uh, for example, comes to Stevie and says, hey, I just got to get a break. Um, so I, I don't see a problem with that. I think though, so. now having the developmental rosters, um, I would use my developmental players and give them an opportunity because you have them on your roster. You're going to need them. It's a good time to get guys a look. And then, yeah, if all of a sudden you can get to a semifinal or so, then, yeah, then, then you really go after it and try to win the trophy. But I think in the in these early portion part of the tournament that um, I think you should use your, your roster because I tell you what, if you're not going to play a player in an Open Cup game, you're not going to play them in a regular season game where it's, meaningful when you're trying to get points so um i would love to see you know how uh, some of these young guys that you know stevie's used a little bit or have been mostly in a backup role uh perform on tuesday um in connecticut uh about three miles from where i used to live there so i'm uh, i'm interested to see how that looks
0: going off of that comment that you have to do what's best for your team do you think that the, the uh, heavy schedules that some of these teams are facing for the next month, D.C. and New England in particular, where they've got a substantial amount of momentum built up in the MLS competitions. Do you expect that that momentum is going to be hurt any by the amount of games that they're playing over this month that aren't relevant to MLS specifically?
7: No, I think it can help momentum. Um, I think any time you're, you're getting in a groove where, you know, it's training, training, preparation day, game, training, training, preparation day, game, I think that's good. Um, The one thing that's always constant at every level is that players want to play games, Um, and it's up to the manager to figure out who needs rest, you know, when and and, and when an injury shouldn't be pushed and when an injury shouldn't be risked. Um, And then that's why, you know, the managers get paid a good big bucks. Um, But I think the players like it. They want to play the games. And, And, yeah, if you are a veteran and you're someone that's got creaky knees or, you know, you've had hamstring issues or things like that, then, yeah, you might want to have to jump out of one of those and take care of yourself a bit. But I think for the most part, I think it's good for the roster. I think, you know, you're, you're, you're getting games, and it's good for the younger players. They're, they're, they want to not only prove something to the coaching staff, but they want to prove to the veterans that they can help out a little bit. And, and maybe they haven't been able to help out in regular season matches, but going and, and, and getting it done in an Open Cup match and then jumping back on the bus or jumping back on the plane with the guys, you know, they can kind of, they kind of have a little bit of a different stature. They feel like they're they're helping the cause a bit and that they can be counted on. And I think that's good for a team. Um, you know, of course, if you go and lose five or six of those games, it doesn't help anybody. But I think if you're a good team like the Revolution, um, you know, you're probably going to have some success, and I think it's only a good thing.
2: And uh, before we come to our next commercial break, could you just tell us a little bit about Goal.com and uh, what people can find on that website?
7: Yeah, I mean, It's it's quickly... Uh, gaining a lot of stature. Our numbers have gone through the roof. Um, next to SoccerNet, we're the number two website in the U.S., if you go by uh, the numbers. Uh, that's just happened over the last couple months, um, which has been excellent. Um, a lot of local guys. I mean, if you, if you consider myself being a Massachusetts guy, you know, Greg Lawless, uh, who I run the site with, you know, being a res Color analyst. And then, you know, you have Kyle McCarthy as one of our lead, lead writers who... Uh, everybody around the Rebs knows him from from all of his work, uh, MLS Ned, and through the years around Massachusetts, Boston Herald, places like that. Uh, he writes every Monday. I think one of the best articles that's out there, the, the Monday MLS breakdown. I think is excellent. Um, I'm looking forward to Kyle filing to me in a little while, actually, for tomorrow. Um, you know, and we we have uh, you know a couple fun interviews. We have one up right now with Brian Nemo, which I got down here at DC. Um, you know, we always usually have Q&As, always usually have something kind of fun. We try not to take ourselves too seriously. Um, and if you guys know Greg, you know that's, that's kind of his, uh, his M.O., and I try to follow suit. And um, we'd like to think that there's at least something once a day that you're going to find that's going to be a little different. So, you know, yeah, uh, if you haven't been there, visit us, and hopefully you enjoy
2: Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, and uh, keep up the great work on the site. Uh, we are going to take another quick uh, commercial break here, and then we'll be back with Josh Hackler from USOpenCup.com talk a little bit more about uh, what we've seen from the Open Cup so far, some of the upsets, uh, and what we can expect for the revs coming up on Tuesday. <laughs>
4: National Soccer Hall of Fame
0: is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World
1: Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380.
2: Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue joined in studio by Adam Sell and now we're joined over the phone by Josh Hackler, who runs the uh, USOpenCup.com website. Josh, thanks for joining us today.
9: Hey, anytime. How you doing?
2: Great. How are you? Oh,
9: very good. Just uh, sort of getting ready for uh, for Tuesday. Luckily, it's, it's not like the first round where we had 16 games. We only got eight to do, so that's
2: kind of nice. And really, over the uh, the past couple of weeks here, what, what have we seen from the Open Cup? How many how many uh, upsets have there been? There really do- it doesn't seem like there's been that many upsets uh, compared to uh, maybe in some past editions.
9: No, I'm definitely, yeah, it's definitely been down this year. I, I think that we, you know, it'll it'll show a little bit more uh, in this round probably. There, you know, there, there were a couple of surprises the last round, but really the only upset was in the first round was uh, Hollywood United beating the Portland Timbers. So it's, it, it would be nice to see a little bit more of those, but uh, we still have some pretty compelling matchups in round three.
2: And what do you expect from some of the MLS teams this year? Obviously the added bonus of a CONCACAF Champions League spot uh, for the winner of the Open Cup, certainly that might add some motivation. But at the same time, uh, we've seen from Super League and the Champions Cup uh, that that these teams now have these games uh, really pushed close together. We see the, uh, the third round uh, on Tuesday, and then, of course, the quarterfinals the next Tuesday. Where that would be something that we would have seen uh, pushed off into August in past years.
4: Yeah, I, I
9: think that it probably will. Uh, we'll probably see a little stronger lineup maybe uh, with some of these teams. I think with with some teams, you're probably going to get the same old, same old with, you know, maybe uh, half of half of the lineup being starters and the other half being sort of uh, secondary players. But you know, I, I don't think too much will change. But I think there will be some teams who will say, hey, you know, that's an opportunity for us to get into a, a major tournament with some money on the line, and and we'll uh, probably take the tournament a little bit more seriously.
0: Do you foresee any of the? Uh higher higher level teams in the uh, parlance of our area taking a diggers for example the uh, revolution with the crowded schedule that they've got how much of their starting lineup can they possibly play against richmond on tuesday do you expect any kind of major upsets this tuesday yeah i
9: you know what that that one does scare me a little bit uh with new england and but R- richmond you know i obviously you going to come out you know gunning for an upset uh that that one does seem a little bit ripe for uh for an upset um You know, for some reason, I I, I was starting to think that you know, with with DC United playing today, and uh, and then having to turn around and play uh, play down uh, play at the Soccerplex on Tuesday against the Rhinos. The Rhinos haven't been all that good this year, but you know, it's just one of those games that just it doesn't really make sense. You know, which is why I'm I'm glad they don't have gambling on this because it wouldn't make. There's so many games that don't make sense. The, The team that has you know. So many injuries, and there's a you know two days rest, but yet they still come out and win six nothing. So I mean there's you you never really know, but I think that one might be uh, might be the one that
2: might surprise people. Yeah, Rochester's certainly been a team that knows how to beat MLS teams in the past, as as we've seen uh, against the Revs once or twice. Uh, But looking at this schedule here, a lot of interesting matchups. You look at some of the teams like Richmond Kickers, though. Talk about the Revolution's rest. Uh, Richmond had an away game on Saturday, away game on Sunday, and then they're traveling up to uh, New Britain, Connecticut, on Tuesday. Uh, th- wh- what do y- how do you think these teams uh, in the USL too can handle you know, such such fixture congestions? We talk about the revs, but you know, it's really nothing compared to what some of these teams in the USL are facing.
9: Yeah, I, I, it's kind of tough because some of the second division teams you wouldn't think would have as much depth as an MLS team. So they can affo- uh, MLS teams can afford to maybe throw out a secondary team and get away with it. Whereas you know the, the kickers, I mean, and I obviously I don't know what they're their lineup was today but you know it's entirely possible that they maybe rested some guys you know in in looking ahead to tuesday so i that that, that's it depends on the coaching it depends on the coaching staff and the and the team as to whether or not they want to put all their eggs in this basket to you know try to pull off a big upset or if you know they're just going to go out there and play with the guys they have and hope for the best
2: and as you mentioned the earlier the the rounds have really been pushed closer together. The second round was on June 24th. The third round, and you know, the next week. Quarterfinals a week after that. Uh, then the semifinals, uh, August 12th, and the final, I believe, uh, August 26th. So really, the, the tournament finishes earlier than it has in the past. Uh, the earlier round games are over, you know, qu- quicker than in the past. Uh, is that something where it's you know solely based on the MLS teams and the, the schedules the problems that they're going to have now with the Super League and both the uh, Concacaf Champions League?
9: Yeah, I don't think there's any question that it, it has a lot to do with how Major League Soccer sort of uh, packs their schedule full of uh, exhibition games and the Superliga, uh, and of course, you know, obviously the Champions League they've got to look forward to and things like that. So it's uh, it, it's actually caused, yeah, the, like you said, the an early final. It's the earliest final we've had, I think, by only a day. But I mean, but it's the earliest final we've had since uh, since '96. So. Uh, it's it's definitely a little bit more congested and uh, but you know, I guess it, it does I, I think if if you want to pull some kind of positive out of the fact that it's kind of crammed together like this, you could say that the open cup sort of stays in the forefront of at least soccer people's minds a little bit. You know, I think when there's a giant gap in between the games, you know, sometimes people forget about the fact that the tournament's even going on sometimes. It just there's a little bit of momentum going when you have it week after week or there's only a few week break. Between, so I guess if you had to pull some positives out of
2: that. That would be it. And, you know, also, maybe uh, a positive too, that it doesn't really interfere in you know, teams run up to the MLS Cup playoffs, uh, where you know if a team is struggling, they need to go on a run late. Uh, the Open Cup not, not necessarily something that's going to you know, get in the way of that.
9: Yeah, and, and I mean obviously we haven't seen this in a long time, but uh, you know if you have a PDL team that makes a run, you have know, to consider the fact that uh, you've got college kids; they got to go back to school. So it, it, it's a, a problem that we haven't really had uh, much of an issue with yet. Uh, there's been a couple teams that have made it to the third, and I, believe, uh, I think Fresno made it to the fourth round one year. The, um, the, it's kind of a concern, you know, if, if we do have a big Cinderella story out of the PDL, they're gonna that they're going to have that big problem of uh, you know, they've got college kids that will, I, I would say, in most cases the, the college coaches kind of overrule the uh, PDL team and the, uh, they call them back.
0: Something that I'm curious about, when you look at the Revolution's fixture list in the past and in the present for the U.S. Open Cup, you see that they kind of spread the wealth a bit and they put some of their home games all throughout New England, having visited Lusitano and Ludlow I'm going to be in New Britain again on Tuesday for the second time in two years. Do you think that that has any effect on the perception of the U.S. Open Cup as a legitimate tournament? I,
9: I think it, it probably does. Um, I, I think it's interesting to see some of the teams that have their own soccer specific stadium and, and still don't play their games their Open Cup games at the stadium. Like, you know, Chicago playing, playing their uh, their last game in Peoria, I believe it was. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. Obviously, every stadium has their own schedule. They probably had a Van Halen concert or something going on and uh, that's something you would like to think that they could schedule around, but, you know, hey, you know, it's, a, it's a big money-making concert for them and that's what some of these stadiums are, The multi-purpose facilities. But, but I think perception-wise, yeah, I think playing in a stadium outside of town, somewhere, or in a completely other part of the part of the region, if you're out in Ludlow, Massachusetts, or something like that, for the Revolution, sure, it's great to you know maybe uh, expand your fan base a little bit, but overall, it probably doesn't doesn't really help the success of the tournament.
2: At the same time, are you surprised at all at uh, the system in which they you know award these home games, where you know maybe it would make more sense to award it to a team that uh, would be playing it at their home stadium?
9: Yeah, there's there so many, and, and I I wish, kind of just for our own purposes, uh, out of our own curiosity, really, that it would be a little bit more transparent as to what went into the decision, like uh, if there was a, you know, a scheduling conflict, if there was something else going on, but it, there there really is a lot of interesting decisions that you could really analyze and put up the microscope and say, well, you know, Rochester has their own stadium, we understand that, but, geez, they really do get a lot of home games, you know, and it's uh, something that we're gonna. with a little project that we're gonna be working on is to try to figure out which team gets more of a preference over the, over the years. I know Chicago comes to mind, Rochester. You know, I I think New England has uh, has more home games than uh, than away games. I think overall, just off the top of my head, but yeah, it, certainly like in, it certainly
2: seems like in certainly seems like some of the years they've had, you know, almost all their games at home. And there's been other years where it's been the exact opposite. All the all the games are away. Not really. Not really something where you see uh, maybe one game home and that next game away. Uh, it seems like one year you'll be one way and one one year it'll be the other.
0: Not to mention it's also difficult for some people to consider what is technically a home game to be a home game if you're coming from Maine or from New Hampshire, which are New England. To have to drive all the way down to New Britain, it's almost as far as driving to Rochester of its own accord.
9: Right, right. And and there's a, even a, a few PDL teams that have had uh, the pleasure of uh, getting a lot of home games. The, the Michigan Bucks, one. And the fact that they just built that new indoor stadium, I, I'm sure they'll, you know, if they uh, get into the tournament next year, I'm sure that they'll, uh, they'll have a, another string of uh, home games.
2: They'll be four, before. And we do got to wrap things up here, but uh, before we do, uh, of course, USOpenCup.com, a great website for any fan uh, of any of the teams participating in the tournament, or just the, you know, the U.S. Open Cup in general. Uh, if, if you've been to the official website, the USOpenCup.com website isn't the official one, but it offers everything that you would hope for would be on the. Uh, Official website. So, uh, of course, could you tell us a little bit what you have upcoming for you know the next round? If you can't catch the Revs game, or if you're interested in you know, following the scores of uh, the other games throughout the uh, country.
9: Yeah, we uh, we started doing this this year. Uh, we but we're probably uh, three years later so on the on the whole blog thing, but we finally uh, you know got got together and started doing a live blog during the uh, during the game. Especially for the early rounds, it's going to be re- it was really helpful for people because they're just sometimes isn't a way to follow these games, so we were literally uh, calling people in the stands and calling people in the press boxes, getting updates and passing them along to people. Uh, That's going to get a little easier this round, because uh, all the games, we we have six out of the eight games in the third round are going to be broadcast in one way or another, video or radio. Uh, The Rochester, D.C. game is going to have English radio, Spanish radio, and Rochester's doing a radio broadcast, so um, I believe... The Red Bulls and uh, FC Dallas are working on a broadcast, so we could have every game on in the third round. But we'll still be doing a blog there on the website and uh, keep people up to date on things. And uh, we've kind of a one-stop shop, and we'll uh, we'll kind of go from there and uh, continue to cover the tournament and you know, maybe point out a few a uh, few interesting stories along
2: the way. Well, thanks a lot for uh, coming on the show today, and thanks for the great work you do for that website. You know, uh, if you were looking for information on the U.S. Open Cup, and uh, that's the place to go, certainly. nowhere else where you can get such in-depth information on the tournament's history, uh, past and present.
9: Yeah, we're always adding stuff, especially the history is a little tough to track down, so that's a big uh, project that we're working on right now is uh, filling in some of the uh, historical gaps. But it's it's always a work in progress. But uh, but thanks a
2: lot. Well, thanks again for coming on. And, uh, of course, the Revs game coming up on July 1st, that game uh, in New Britain, Connecticut. Uh, tickets are still for sale, I believe, at uh, new-britain.net. Uh, that should be an interesting game to see, you know, who actually comes out and plays for the Revs. Uh, then the game on July fourth against the Los Angeles Galaxy, uh, ten thirty p.m. on TV thirty-eight. So it should be a great, great week for the Revolution.
0: Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to see the differences between the lineups on Tuesday and on Friday to see uh, how many players that we don't normally see putting on the revs kit on a regular basis get to play on Tuesday, Brandon Manzanelli, Doug Warren, for example, and then to see the differences on Friday when it's a match that could provide points on the table.
2: Again, it'll be great to see how much time Twelman can get in these two games. Again, we will be back here. uh Uh, Right here on WNRI AM 1380 next week, same time slot. Uh, You can get the archives at RevolutionRecap.com. And be sure to check out the uh, Revolution Recap blog where you can get the latest news on the revolution. Thanks for joining us today. And, of course, happy birthday to uh, my co-host today, Adam Sell. Thank you. Thanks for making your uh, debut on Revolution Recap.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much for inviting me.
3: 50
1: years of service to the Blackstone Valley. This is WNRI, Woonsocket.